0: Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. Hello to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you enjoy it, please subscribe. If you're a regular, thanks for your support. Love to get your feedback at paul at paul.buildalivegive.com. It means the world to me when you do. Welcome, To take notes and the interviews are fully transcribed. Our guest is someone who started working for herself, then did some marketing for Mathletics, which is a great Australian company, and why I mention it, and loved the market research part of it so much. She decided to double down on that, and now she runs her own award winning agency, and it is based in Canada, but she does service clients throughout the world. So, why listen? Why being told your baby is ugly is a good thing. How you can do market research without all the complexity and high cost. And who is best to talk to your current and past clients to validate hypotheses. Over to Lisa Genovese from Bottom Line. Welcome Lisa Genovese from the Bottom Line to the BLG podcast. Great to have you here, Lisa.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Paul. Thank you.
0: <laughs> now, can you please, for, for uh, our audience, especially those that know you, can you give me your Canadian pronunciation of your name?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, Lisa Genovese. My last name is obviously Italian, but I gave up a long time ago on uh, people <laughs> getting it right, Genovese. And so, thank you. You nailed it at the beginning of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, as we spoke in prep, there's a fantastic coffee brand here in Australia called Genovese, and um, of yeah, I love. Oh, I don't drink coffee, but my wife loves that coffee, and I love pronouncing that name. It's about the only thing in Italian I ever get right. So, <laughs> when finally I got the opportunity, and you said, "No, it's not Genovese." Uh, I'm like, oh, "Okay." Anyway, <laughs> so we did both. We did both. But yes, look, great to did. have you. Great to have you here. I'm so excited about today. We've had you know, wonderful conversations in the past and it'll be no different for everyone listening today. So what I would kick off is something that your family or friends know about you that we may not.
1: Oh, uh, that's such a great question. Um, this is kind of a funny one, but uh, most people in my, in my business life describe me as very extroverted. Um, but my friends and my family know that I am actually a very introverted person. So I'm a bit of an ambivert. I can be extroverted when I need to be. Um, but I like natural state. I actually like my alone time.
0: And I know a lot of, so, you know, I hear that from a, a lot of people and it's so great that, uh, I think, you know, you can describe that. I uh, you know it, it ha- wasn't that long ago that, you know, people didn't describe it that way, but you know, for you being, you know, an introvert that acts very much as an e- extrovert at work, does that mean that, you know, when you get home, do you, 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 do you collapse? Like are you tired or is it just something now that you got so used to doing?
1: Oh, that's a a good question. Um, I definitely have my days where I come home and I collapse. Um, But I have done quite a bit of work actually with my coach around how to preserve my energy in the day uh, and also setting myself some breaks to actually recharge. So I'm not getting to the end of my day and coming home and just being, you know, tried. Um, I'd love to, you know, pretend that I have that right down to a science. I don't. (laughs) Um, But it is, uh, you know, I have a couple tools in my tool belt to help me deal with it anyway.
0: Yeah, great. And look, for me, I have a nap every day. Okay. So I, um, you know, a lot older than you, I've now just hit the magical 50. And thanks to COVID, Mm -hmm. we had three people in the house. But, you know, anyway. Uh, maybe a 50, a fifty first will be more entertaining, but yeah, I have a I do seven minutes of meditation and a thirty minute nap every day, and it just completely re, regenerates me and uh, rejuvenates me, and it is is made magical. So, uh, you know, I know if you know if you're out there listening, and you watch that famous George Costanza, you know, sleep under the desk. Maybe a bed. If you're working from home, is better, but I highly, uh, highly recommend it. So um, I know that you know you've uh, started. You've started your business. You've gone and worked for another business, and then effectively, you know, you've just continued to grow this great agency uh, bottom line, which we're going to talk more about. But tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: Yeah, and I'd be happy to. Um, I often get asked, like, how the heck did you? Get into doing what you do now and it's funny because I didn't start there. Um, the beginning of my career I worked with children with learning disabilities um, And so I had a business that helped write their IEPs for school. Uh, we did tutoring programs summer camp programs Etc. But what I learned about myself through that is although I loved working with the kids I really always gravitated back towards the business, you know marketing research kind of components of it and So eventually, I sold that company uh, to one of my employees. And I I went back to school and surprise, I took more business in marketing. Um, And then, you know, fresh out of school, I took a job with um, an agency that did marketing for IT and MSP firms. And it was there that I really got the opportunity to learn, you know, why research was so important. Um, It was interesting, they as a as a company really didn't have that philosophy they were very much just kind of take what the client has to say it verbatim and you know launch their campaigns from that and and i was always kind of like hey you know why don't we dig into that a little bit more and make sure that that's actually the right thing for their business um so by the time we left there uh they had actually changed their approach to be much more research first um and which was, which was a big win for me. And then I left, um, and I started, uh, bottom line. I did some work with, uh, Mathletics out of Australia actually. Um, and when they were first launching their brand in Canada, uh, to the external world, I was their marketing director and, um, but it was really a bottom line, bottom line gig. Um, and it was, so it was a variety of different activities. Funny enough, not a ton of, uh, on the research side. Um, but as we kind of grew as a firm, uh, it really became evident that that research first approach was what made us very different. Uh, we were not afraid to challenge a client on, you know, the way they wanted to approach things and, and say, you know, just the way that things have always been done. Uh, maybe that's why, you know, your business isn't growing or maybe that's why things, aren't happening the way you want them to and change may be needed. And we need data to support that recommendation as to what it is you should do next. Um, so that's kind of the, the short version of kind of how I got to where I am now.
0: Excellent. And, you know, you talked about a, a coach that's helping you at the moment, but other mm-hmm. than the coach now, who also has supported you through the, you know, this, this trajectory.
1: Oh my goodness, so many people. Um, I've worked with several coaches in my past in my past, uh, also worked with many consultants. I'm very blessed though to have such a, a great support network at home. I have a wonderful um husband who is also an entrepreneur um, but is incredibly supportive. Um, I'm just I'm just very blessed to have great people both in my kind of personal and work life um, that that are just a call away. Um, I, I joined WPO Women Presidents Organization about a year and a half ago, and uh, that has been just oh, I can't say enough good things. Uh, such a great support network of you know other women who just get it. They're at the same you know level of business with the same or similar I should say challenges, and uh, that has just been a, a great place for me to kind of go when I need some extra help. That um, you know, bouncing new ideas, and uh, just seeing other ways of doing things has helped me so very much.
0: And do you think there's a correlation between, you know, your love of research and your love of, I suppose, you know, doing the same of you, which is that self-development, open it, because, or oh, sorry, open to to getting support because you know if you've had several coaches, you've got one now. You've got a great support group now with uh, WPO. You know, is is that something that is you know in your DNA to to seek that support?
1: You know, that's a an interesting correlation that I truthfully have never thought of. Um, I've always correlated correlated it back to more my, uh, one of my core personal values, which also happens to be a bottom line company value, but side the point, uh, is leadership. And I have always found that just by nature, I will go to seek out, you know, another leader who may have forged that path before to learn from them. But I actually never did make that, connect those dots between that and, and research. Um, but you're, you're totally right. Um, and that makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. And just tell us a little bit about how WPO operates.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so they are a global organization um, and it's obviously females only. So women presidents, um, there's a revenue co- requirement uh, to join. And uh, of course, an application and interview process to be able to join. Um, we go through every month. We have a chapter meeting. Um, everybody gives you know, a brief update on kind of the state of affairs in our in our personal and business life. We have to update on our commitment from the month prior. Um, but then the latter half of the meeting, which is my most favorite, is where we do kind of experience share learning, um, where a couple of topics um, are pulled out of the updates, challenges typically, and then the group um, asks clarifying questions about the issue. And then everybody shares an experience um, around the issue if they can for that person to learn from. And I just, I can't say enough good things. I have walked, you know, into that room, um, you know, with a major challenge in my business and walk often walk out with, you know, a, here's what I'm going to do next. Um, And knowing that I have, you know, a great group of people behind me to kind of cheer me on and catch me if, you know, it doesn't work out or catch me if I fall.
0: Yeah. And, and it sounds similar to EO, Entrepreneurs' Organization. And, you know, I suppose the obvious question is why female only for you? Why why was it important to do female only versus um, mixed gender?
1: Really great question. Um, and I did look at EO. The re- requirements are the same. The format is very, very similar. Um, the kind of key distinction between the two is WPO has paid facilitators, whereas EO forums are Uh, self-facilitated like group facilitated which is which is fine Um, but I I certainly found you know more value in having that paid facilitator come and be prepared and and really well facilitate the meeting. Um, The other reason for me it wasn't necessarily the choice around gender it was more around values fit. Um, I have many many friends who are members at EO and they love it But I I visited a couple of times and I just found for myself, for lack of better words, I didn't feel like I belonged. Um, It wasn't that the people were bad or that the format was wrong. It was just wasn't quite right for me. Um, I've been I I was a member of a private um, peer group that was just self-facilitated years and years ago that was mixed gender. And I got a ton out of it. I I think that there is so much value in hearing, you know, male and female views um so for me it wasn't necessarily the gender piece. Um it was more the fit, but I will say after being part of WPO I I probably share things in my chapter meetings that I may not if it was mixed gender. Mm-hmm. Um if I'm being really honest. Yes. Uh, that's just it's a it's a very much a cone of silence in a safe safe place. Like I I don't feel that you know if I need to cry in my meeting I cry. That's just the way it goes. Um, Whereas I think if it was mixed gender, I may hold back a little bit if, I, if I'm if i really, really being honest about it.
0: Excellent. Well, look, the next section is the build section, and we all want to hear more about bottom line. So when someone says to you, hey, Lisa, you know, what do you do and how do you add value? How, how do you answer that?
1: Uh, well, in terms of what do I do? So <laughs> I, I, I make jokes about this, but there is some truth to it is that I get to go in and tell companies that their baby is ugly all day long, (laughs) but then I get to also- Another
0: another Seinfeld uh, leak.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But you know, the good part about that is people are like, ew, why do you, why do you enjoy that? And the reality is, is that if we can identify, you know, what isn't working, we can then also use that information to identify what will work. And I think that that is where the excitement for me comes in is- if I'm telling you your baby's ugly, okay, we've identified that. And now we can figure out how to fix the problem. Um, and if I can help you, you know, get from A to B and actually reach that goal, that's where the really exciting stuff comes in.
0: Great. Well, we talked about, you know, research and, and market research. So what do you know about market research that many others miss?
1: Oh, that is an excellent, excellent question. Um, You know, I I think it's maybe not what others miss um, more than it is just my philosophy on research. And it's that it doesn't have to be complicated. I feel like so many firms make market research out to be this like big scary thing. And you need to have, you know, procedures and protocols for running focus groups and interviews have to be done in a certain way. And at the end of the day, they're just a conversation. They're a conversation to gather information to cut, to get to some sort of a hypothesis or an outcome. Um, and you know, I, I often will talk to small businesses about research and, you know, they give me this like deer in the headlights look of, Oh my God, you want us to do research? Uh, like that's A, going to cost a bajillion dollars and B, it's going to be so complex and take forever. And my simple answer is even if you're going to do research yourself, just go and have some conversations with your customers. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. And You know, instead of doing all the talking, do more of the listening. And that's where you're really going to get something valuable out of it.
0: Yeah, You know, I spent 18 years at Coca-Cola and, you know, for and and I spent most of that on the bottler side. So think of it as the franchisee side versus the franchisor. And they were just brilliant at at research and, and market research. And, you know, most of that was external firms like you. Uh, providing services into the business but you know anything we we're going to do with a brain had to start with a consumer in mind first so you know it was often identifying like you said a hypothesis that this is an opportunity and then validating it with the research uh, and I must admit as a, as a small business owner myself I, I've sort of left that you know that was one of the great learnings I got from the Coca-Cola company but I haven't really applied it so What's some advice for someone like me and you know everyone else listening at the moment that may have had a good corporate background and understand market research, but haven't applied it to their own business? And you hinted a little bit to it, but just take us a little bit further into you know, someone like myself, you know, running a service-based business, how could we better do some market research?
1: That's a, a great question. And I, I think, you know, the simple answer is pick a couple of key areas that you think are maybe not working well in your business or where you'd like to improve and then get to that hypothesis of why you think that may be happening and then, and then go, okay, is this that I need to do some further competitive analysis? Is this that I need to understand my customer needs uh, better? Um, And so kind of, kind of really narrow it down to what's the answer that I need in order to answer this question or this problem that I have. Um, and then again, back to the, keep it simple is if it is literally just understanding what's going on for your customer, book a couple of phone calls, um, or zoom meetings, doesn't matter, uh, with your, who's your best customers and ask them, what do they love about working with you? What do they hate about working with you? Um, and you know, obviously take the feedback, um, on the chin, if it's feedback that you don't, that you don't necessarily want to hear. Um, but then the one thing, and this is the most important thing, is once you've come to that answer of okay this is very evident that this is this is how my customers feel or this is what the you know issue is make sure you do something about it nothing is going to upset your audience more than asking for their feedback and then never doing anything with that feedback um, so I, and that's where i see so many businesses get stuck in the research conundrum is that they'll go out and do research and then they either a don't really know what to do with it or b they might know what to do with it but they don't do anything with it and and it's such a missed opportunity
0: great well let's dive a little bit into some of these because i think the framework's great so you know often people say you know is it best you know will a customer really say what they think to me you know you say go to your best customers love or hate you know often we've got really good relationships with these people they don't want to offend us they don't want to tell me that my baby is ugly right, right? So what's your view on that? Is it best that the owner asks the questions or someone independent asks the questions?
1: I mean, obviously, it's always better if it's a third party. They're going to tell more to a third party than they are to you because you're right. They aren't going to want to hurt your feelings. Um, But if you're finding that you're getting up against this place where, okay, they're not really telling me. I I can see they're sugarcoating it. Then be bold and go talk to some past customers, ones that have fired you ones that have already expressed their displeasure with working with you. Um, We all, I I don't care who it is in business. We all have somebody that's moved on for whatever reason. That is where you can get a ton of information from. And you're probably not going to have that filter um, of sugar coating that happens from your best customers.
0: So true. And and a customer popped to, to my mind. I had a customer in my mentoring program and he said, look, you know, it's 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 confusing for me. You're getting me to do all this extra work I don't want to do, blah, blah, blah. And you know, I took it really personally. It was like, you know, he told me my baby's ugly. Because I <laughs> had to take pride in what I do. But every time that I make the improvements that he told me about, I actually send him a note and say, here we go. The, you know, I, I really again I appreciate your feedback and this is what I'm doing about it. Never to win him back as a client. But, you know, like you said, that feedback loop uh, to to tell. But, you know, yeah, and it's it's I found it really, really hard to take it, but because it's your business, right? It's your heart and soul in it. But I think you've got to where where you can be is objective. And and I love the thing that you said you've got to do something about it. And that third party, does it have to be, you know, someone like yourself, Lisa with and your team with the incredible experience, or can you get you know, someone else in your team to do it, but as long as it's not the owner, what, what's your view on on that?
1: I mean, obviously, self serving for me to say, hey, yeah. it's got to be an expert for sure. You're going to get an added level of value with an expert simply because they've been there, done that, got that T-shirt, and they they know the steps to be taken. However, it doesn't have to be an expert. It could be just an unbiased third party. Um, so even if it's something within your somebody within your company. Um, that maybe isn't that client's account manager or doesn't have direct, you know, day-to-day interaction with that client. That would be better than the person who talks to them day in and day out um, for just to ask for that feedback. The other way to look at it is to do, you know, some sort of an anonymous survey. Um, those are tough. I mean, the data that you get out of them is, I'm going to say, mediocre, mm-hmm. um, but it will at least tell you something. Um, but that would be my advice is at the very least find somebody that doesn't have that day-to-day interaction to have the conversation.
0: Right. And, and what about a mix between, you know, uh, quant- quantitative and qualitative? So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, desktop research you can do on your competitors now
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus, you know, the qualitative. You know, is there a mix? Does it, you know, yeah, just give us your thoughts on that
1: yeah so my particular approach with research, and of course everybody has their their own way of thinking about it, I personally prefer to start with secondary analysis, come to a hypothesis, and then validate with primary. Um, I have lots of colleagues in the industry who do the flip of that, um, but that's just kind of my way of approaching it. I think um, when looking at you know how much you know quant versus qual <sighs> it depends on the answer you're going after. It depends Mm. on the, you know, the challenge Um, because in some respects secondary is all you really need to answer the question sometimes. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of research firms that are going to sell you a big fancy, you know, primary research project that might not really be needed to answer the question that you have.
0: Great. And look, you know, we've obviously talked about what a a business owner, service-based business owner, you know, seven figure. That's effectively who's listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what about your ideal client? I know that's not necessarily your ideal clients. Who who are the people you love to work with?
1: So I love that you're asking that question. And typically the answer is, you know, a mid-sized, so on the smallest, smallest in revenues, you know, a couple million in revenue, largest is about 300 million in revenue. Um, but they're fast growing and and it's that growth mindset piece that's really the clear differentiator for us um, it's clients that are willing to hear uh, that the way that they're doing things uh, may need to change and that they're open to change um, and it's usually that growth mindset uh, that makes them open to to hearing reason on why things may need to change um, so it, and we're very industry agnostic we have worked with Oh goodness! You name it; we've probably done a project in that particular market vertical. Um, but it's really just the the size of the client, the mindset of the client, that uh, is the differentiator for us.
0: Great. Well, if we take uh, you, you don't have to mention name of the company, but obviously, if you want, you you can. But like a, a two million dollar company, if if you mm-hmm. take just a quick example of you know what research you did and what was the result that um, that became came out of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh, I can think of, of many. Um, One that's coming to my mind, it's an actually really an interesting project. So uh, we have an energy drink company, natural energy drink company that we do work with and they originated in Europe um, and they wanted to launch first in the Canadian market and then into the U S market. And uh, they did an impact assessment with, with us, which is our kind of first initial market research and strat planning that we do with our clients. And one of the biggest things that came out of the research, uh, well, two things. One, the pricing was completely off for the Canadian market. And two, um, the, the drink itself was never going to sell here because it wasn't sweet enough. It was too bitter. Um, and so sometimes research doesn't necessarily have to you know, mean, you know, do we run Facebook ads um, that, can, that can be part of it. But I think people forget that actually looking at does the product meet up with, you know, who is going to buy that end product and does it, are they even going to like it? Um, my, one of my most favorite examples of, of that is when Harley Davidson built, uh, you know, the, I think it's the $30,000 or $20,000 um, Harley. And it was because it was identified that if they want to go after that younger demographic, they need to build a cheaper bike. Simple as that. Um, yeah. So it's a, it, it, that's probably one of my most favorite examples. And I mean that fast forward a few years and they've now launched right across Canada and across the U S it's been a tremendous success, but they had to change the whole formulation before we could actually go to market. Yeah. Well,
0: look, I've, you know, having worked at Coke, I've got so many uh, examples that i give you, but one quickly was we uh, we were, Doing, uh, we had a subsidiary that I was head of um, a marketing for, and we were launching. Uh, it was an ice cream that had uh, it was fruit only, mm. right? So the proposition sounded fantastic. The product tasted great, and basically the whole business was behind launch. You know, it was like this thing is going to turn the business around. And I said, well, we need to get some consumer research, right? Let's practice yeah. what the Coke company, because it's a subsidiary not under the Coke brand. And um, sure enough, consumers came back and said, oh, we, we just don't understand this proposition. It's just just not going to work. So I had to front the board and say, look, you know, here's the independent research saying no And then, uh, yeah, that sort of led to me realising, because they said, well, we don't care about the research. And that led me realising that maybe that wasn't the company for me to be. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so market research changed my career and I wouldn't be talking to you today without it. So there we go. That's the (laughs) uh, parallel. So just a couple of quick questions before we move into the live section. So, you know, your sales system, like who does all the sales within your business?
1: Um, so funny enough, um, we don't do a lot of, you know, cold outreach. We have grown primarily by referral. Um, and the, you know, limited business development efforts that we do do are me actually. That's kind of the one role I still have in the day to day of the business. Um, we do have one gentleman who helps me with, um, you know, basic, I hate the word prospecting, but we'll call it identifying companies that we maybe don't work with today and would like to um, and helping facilitate, you know, a conversation. But those are kind of far and few between. For the most part, I'm busy talking to clients that say, hey, we saw you did this for you know, X, Y, Z company, could you do that for us? Um, And has that changed
0: at all during COVID? Because I I know a lot of people I've worked with, I'm working with at the moment, their referral sources have dried up with COVID and now they're looking at, you know, making sure that they've got other avenues for leads. What about you? Have you seen a change in that?
1: I, to be honest, I have, but in the opposite direction. Okay. Um, so yes. we have so many companies banging our door right now saying, like, everything has changed through COVID, and we don't even know what way is up. Can you help us figure out what to do next? Um, and so I, on an hourly almost basis now, I'm getting a phone call from somebody saying, hey, I am sit on this board. This company is really struggling. We do not know what to do. Can you come in and... <laughs> They often jokingly say, "Work your magic." Um, I don't think it's magic; it's science. But um, so so honestly, it's it's been the opposite for us. Uh, we have been so busy uh, this year. We've truthfully had trouble staffing up fast enough. Um, more than than the opposite. Um, and what I have found that's been actually kind of nice to see too is back to that support network, people that you know, knew that we existed, but maybe hadn't worked with us in the past or hadn't really, you know, checked us out or had a conversation are now starting to do that. And I'm seeing, you know, businesses that weren't referring to us before are now. Um, So I I don't really have a good answer as to the why yet. I haven't had time to dig into the why, but um, yeah, we've seen the opposite. Um, It's been, it's been a great year for us.
0: Oh that's that's fantastic and and look I think you know the classic case is that you know the cream rises to the top and no doubt that's that's happening for you so before we go into the live section which is the next section I'd like to talk about our assessment to help you work out if you're going to have a high or low seven figure business in 2021 just go to paul higgins mentoring.com forward slash assessment and answer the 15 questions in less than three minutes and based on your results you either get a free 45 minute strategy call where i walk through a clear plan and it is a strategy call it's not a sales call it's a strategy call and also for those that are at the top of their results and you know you've Absolutely get a great result. I'd love for you to come on and share your success and your story, just like Lisa is here today. So go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment. So the next section is the live, as I said, Lisa, and uh, just reminding everyone that we are listening to, Lisa Genovese or Genovese depends what part of the world you're in and uh, you can find out more about her at wearebottomline.com but for you what are some daily habits that make you successful
1: oh um, for me a couple of it's they're small things but I couldn't live without them Uh, number one thing Years ago, I stopped sleeping with my phone in my bedroom. Um, It now lives uh, when I'm done the day in my home office, um, and one of the best things I've ever done. Um, The other big one uh, when I wake up in the morning, making sure that the first thing I am not doing is running and checking my phone. Um, So I have a bit of a morning routine that I, I get up, I, you know, have do my hygiene, have my shower, all of that, have breakfast with my husband. Then I'm going and checking my phone before I'm starting work. Um, I made that shift several years ago and one of the best things, gosh, that I've ever done because I would sleep with my phone beside my head and, you know, it was the last thing I looked at the end of my day and the first thing I looked at in the morning, which is just, you know, super unhealthy. And then the other, you know, really big thing uh, that I try to do is uh, before I go to bed every night, um, just write down or or think of, depending a short list of what was I grateful for from the day. Mm. Um, And I know that it sounds cheesy and it's very woo-woo, but really just that positive focus exercise for me, I sleep better, I wake up more refreshed, um, and it also helps me celebrate. I'm not great, actually, at celebrating wins. I'm, I'm just this kind of, I don't know, methodical person, I guess, where it's like, okay, well, that was a target we were supposed to hit great onto the next thing. Um, and so I've really tried to work on, you know, when we do hit a milestone, like, hey, that's, that's awesome. Let's celebrate why wow, that's great. Instead of just, okay, yeah, what's the next thing? Um, so those are just three small things that I, I try to do on a regular basis.
0: And we spoke or you spoke about Corey before in the support he's given you, but I'm going to make sure he listens to this, right? I'm going to actually send him (laughs) this recording, even if you don't give it to him. So what would you like to say to him? He's listening right now. Hi, Corey. What would you like to say to him about the support he's given you?
1: Oh, wow. Um, oh So many things. I just, I'm so grateful for all the times that you've, you know, listened to me and told me that, hey, it's going to work out after I've had a really bad day or something cruddy happening, um, reminding me that, you know, you can do this. Don't give up. There were many times I wanted to give up. Um, and and at the end of the day, just knowing that whatever happens, that he's always going to be there for me and that there's no judgment passed. That's, that's the other big thing. I, I feel like I have that safe space at home where I don't with that extrovert introvert piece, I don't feel like I have to make any excuses at the end of my day. If I've had a tough one and I just need to be by myself, you know, we have kind of that unwritten rule that if, if I need to go recharge, I I just go do it. Um, And there's, there's really no questions asked. And I'm so grateful to have, you know, that, that in our relationship that I, I really don't um, have to, put on a brave face at home. Um, and so I, I thank him for that very much.
0: Well, the next section is the give section. So what charity or community are you passionate about and why?
1: Oh, so many. Um, and I, I I certainly do a lot of volunteer work on the personal side, but I I will say that one of the things I'm most passionate about is helping other entrepreneurs. Um, so I'm part of many different, um, startup incubators. Um, I'm a mentor in uh, the Alberta IoT Center of Excellence Fast Track program. Um, And I I just, I love being able to share my journey and what I've learned along the way. I don't claim to have all the answers. I know I'm not perfect, but to at least be able to save someone else from making the same mistake, you know, that I did five years ago or 10 years ago, um, that I'm really, really passionate about. And I, I so believe that entrepreneurship and you know, small businesses, especially in Canada, they are the backbone of our economy. Mm. And you know, being able to give that support back, like I got it through my career, um, that's that's just huge. And so, that's something I am I'm really, really passionate about.
0: Brian, and that's why we've got you here on the show, a show called Build, Live, Give. So, uh, a beautiful example of that. And uh, I give all the proceeds of my book called Build, Live, Give, and a portion of my revenue to the Purple House. So, you can go to purplehouse.org.au to find out more. So the last section is the rapid response section. So I'll ask you a couple of questions and get some rapid fire responses. So the first one is what are your top three personal effectiveness tips?
1: Oh, um, everyone that's busy needs an admin. I would die without my EA. (laughs) Uh, The other one is uh, time management and making sure that you are scheduling everything out. It doesn't get done if it doesn't go into your calendar. Um, And focus on one thing at a time. So if there is something in your calendar that you are supposed to be doing at that time, put the phone away, put the emails away and focus on that one thing, get it off your plate, then move on to the next thing. Um, I used to be queen of trying to multitask and no, no one can multitask. I don't care what they say.
0: <laughs> great. Great. Oh, not for something that's complicated anyway. So what uh, tech is essential for running your business?
1: Um, we use right for our project management software, uh, couldn't live without that program slack for communication is big um and then i mean there's a whole slew of other other tech we use depending on the project uh, fun fact and i can't talk too much about it but we're in the process right now of uh building out some ai that would actually help us on the secondary analysis side um, so there should be some new things new tools to add to our tool belt here coming in 2021
0: now, I know, you know, someone that runs a market research agency uh, it might be hard for you to answer this, but what's your best source of new ideas?
1: Oh, uh, new ideas. Honestly, that comes from so many different places, but I personally um, get my inspiration from uh, group discussion and group collaboration. So we do what we call internal brainstorming um, every two weeks, and it is kind of like, open forum uh, where everybody is expected to bring a project that they are working on uh, to the table and we brainstorm ideas on challenges, uh, creative, like you name it. Um, But that's where not only do I feel like my best ideas come from, but where I get energy from as well.
0: Brilliant. And the last question is the big question and I'll leave it to the end for that reason, but what impact do you want to leave on the world?
1: Oh, I really um again back to the small businesses the backbone of of our economy and I, honestly I feel like that is in most countries I I want to be able to leave just a, a legacy of better businesses people that have been able to reach their goals you know achieve what their their wildest dreams um are and and be able to look back one day at the end of my career and say, yeah, I helped them do that. Not to take the credit for it, but more so just to the pride in helping them reach reach something that was special or important to them. That is what is important to me in my career.
0: Excellent. Well, it's been so great having you on the show, Lisa. And thanks for sharing your wisdom and knowledge and for... Everyone listening, you know, Lisa is just a great person to talk to. So I've had uh, been very lucky to have a couple of conversations and her knowledge in this space is second to none. And that's why she's getting uh, so many referrals, you know, even in the time of COVID. But you can find out more about Lisa, at her LinkedIn profile. So that will be. So both the page, which is the bottom line, um, bottom line, and also um, – We'll have all the links to her and her personal profile in the in the show notes. And also, you can find out more about the site as wearebottomline.com. And once again, that will be in there. So absolutely wonderful having you on, Lisa. And uh, thanks for putting not just a smile on my face, but everyone that's had the opportunity to listen today.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Paul, for having me. This was wonderful.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I loved talking to Lisa and I hope you loved listening to her. She's so, you know, such great wisdom, but just uh, such a lovely person as well. Market research is not just for the big guys. I think that's the biggest thing I took out of it. You can get the fully transcribed show notes at paulhigginsmentoring.com full slash podcast. What is your biggest takeaway from Lisa? and her interview. Please share on your socials, mentioning Lisa and Bottom Line. She will love you for it. To find out more about bottom line, go to wearebottomline.com. If you believe someone would also benefit from the show, please share it with them. They will love you for it as well. Find out the fill out, I should say, the assessment to know if you will have a high or low seven-figure business in 2021. Just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash assessment. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.